All right, well, we'll pray and then we'll jump in. Lord, we thank you so much for the book of Romans. We thank you for this class. Lord, I pray that we would be encouraged this morning by what Paul has to tell the Romans and uh, tell us as well. We thank you again, Lord, in your name. Amen. All right, so someone like to summarize verses 1 through 5. What did, what, did we, what did we learn? What is Paul driving home in verses 1 through 5 of chapter 5? What's Paul driving home? What's his main idea, main thought process here? Come on, make your teacher feel good. <laughs> Don't... Okay, justification is by faith. He makes that statement. And then, what are, what, are, what are the results? That's the idea. What are the results of justification? What's the first result? We have what? Peace. We have peace with God. Okay? <clears throat> Through who? Okay? And then, what's, our, what's the next? We have access, okay? So we not only have peace with Him, we have access to Him. And then the next part is what? Okay, we have that through Jesus. And then we have what? Hope, right? We have hope in God and and what He's going to do, but we also um, have we glory in tribulations. We ex- exalt in tribulations. And through that, it brings about all perseverance and, and proven character and then also strengthens our hope in Him. What did we learn about that word hope? What, what, what is that word hope different in the Word of God than it is in our lives? Yeah, God's hope is certainty. It's for it's not a wishful thinking, okay. Um, and then the final two are at the end in verse five. What are those? The love of God is poured out upon our hearts, and He gives us a wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so that's His. He's giving us the results of justification, and in verses six through eleven. He's going to, uh, it's kind of an overview and a reminder of what, uh, it it, it kind of just ties the whole uh, section together. And what I was telling my wife this morning, when we read this, you're going to, because we're in this class, you're going to be engaged. But oftentimes, when we read verses 6 through 11 and, and get into this, because we're Sunday school um, students and we're Bible students and we're, we're engaged in church, sometimes we kind of gloss over this section because it's something we know. It's, it's, it's almost lost that excitement. If you think about maybe um, husband and wife that are uh, newly married, you know, you can tell the newly married spouses, right? They're all over each other, hugging on each other, all of that stuff. And then they get five, ten years into the marriage, and some of that, now it shouldn't, 
Um, but some of that kind of loses its deal, and they, it's, they're not maybe completely enamored with one another as they might have been, or as they were when they first got married. And so as you come to this passage as believers, sometimes you can get to where it's, it's lost that excitement, that newness when you first came to Christ. And so when we read it today, I want to bring that back alive and make us understand how all of this ties into the to Paul's main thrust and keeping our focus on what is truly important in the gospel and in our understanding of justification. Okay? So just a reminder of don't allow scripture, especially scripture that's very familiar to you, to become dull or just yeah, I know that. Let's let's go on to something maybe I don't know as well. Okay? So this is obviously a cornerstone um, of our doctrine and our belief is found in these verses. Okay? This is a major part, but it can become, you can become complacent on what it is. All right? so, so he talks about in verses 1 through 5 what we just went on, and then he says, for while we were still helpless. Okay? So he, he, he's continuing this thought for while we were still helpless. All right, the word helpless there, a spiritual, okay, you're blank there, is they're spiritually dead and completely unable to help yourself. Okay, and obviously this is uh, in, cons- uh, in the understanding of salvation and a relationship with God. For while we were still helpless, we were dead. We were just completely. Think of the idea of a uh, a person that's in the hospital, completely incapacitated, uh, without any function. You know, they're breathing them, and that's it. They're, they're, they can't communicate. There's no function um, of being able to communicate. Okay, completely dead, out of it. Um, without the ability to to respond is the idea of the word helpless. All right, and so in Ephesians two and verse one, someone grab it. Ephesians two and verse one, and John six forty four. John six and verse forty four. This gives um, just some more verses on the understanding of helpless or dead uh, in. Uh, our relationship to God before before Christ. Okay, so the the word helpless here is the same idea that Paul is getting at there in Ephesians two one, where you were dead in your trespasses and sins. You had no ability um, at all. Okay, a dead person. Um, the only thing that a dead person can do well is stink. Okay? <laughs> All right? It's the only thing a dead person can do well is stink. So, um, and that would fit really good within sinners, right? Sinners, all they can do well is stink. So, <clears throat> um, and then John 6.44, what does that say? 
Okay, so this is the idea that no one can come to God unless he is drawn. So unless God does something to them or for, in them, they cannot come to him. And so both those ideas give the understanding of helpless in the sight of God. All right, so for while we were still helpless, at the right time, at the right time. Okay, that's our next little phrase there. What do we think that this is referring to? Uh, why, why did Paul put in here at the right time? What do we think? What do we think his thought process here with at the right time? Okay. A pre your blank there is a predetermined time. It is not what? What do you guys think that last blank is? Random. It's not random. God didn't God had before the foundations of the world an exact time of when he was going to come and uh, shed his blood. And it was talked about in the Old Testament. And before God created the world, He knew the time that He, that he was going to come and shed His blood. And it was going to be at the exact perfect time in history for that to take place. And God knew that. And so... Uh, some, what this talks about is God's character and God's foreknowledge. And God has a specific plan. He's not just created the world and set it in motion. And then He stands back and is like, well, let's watch and see what I, what I created and what happens with it. Okay, that, that's not the God that we serve. The God that we serve created, it, set it in motion, and then is involved in every aspect of its motion and he's very detailed so at the right time just another verse that illustrates this is Galatians 4 and verse 4 great Galatians 4 and verse number 4 all right someone grab Galatians 4 and verse 4 Okay, so again, when the fullness of time, or in Paul's words here, it says at the right time. Both are the, the same idea. The fullness of time, the time that God had appointed for him to come, had come. He, gave, he sent him and he was born of a virgin. All right, something we're going to celebrate here soon within the next, I think Jessica said it's seven Saturdays. Seven Saturdays. Oh, six Saturdays. All right, six Saturdays until you can buy me a gift. Oh, no, this kid. <laughs> All right. What's that? That's right, and a saddle. Remember, horse and a saddle. I don't like to ride bareback. <laughs> All right, so for, for while we were helpless at the right time, okay, so all humanity was helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly, okay? There are going to be four different statements made about humanity within these verses, okay? So I want to see if we can grab them. That is the first one, okay? 
God, the helpless people that he's talking about were ungodly. Christ died for the ungodly, all right? Uh, pretty important aspect uh, of what Paul is driving at in these sets of verses. Romans 1.18, all right? So if you just flip back a page, Romans 1 and verse 18 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against the un." Uh, ungo- against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Okay, God died for those who hate Him and suppress His truth. So the word un- the word ungodly there is a different thought than the word sin. Okay, so. As we move down, we're going to hit uh, where he died for sinners. This is, he's talking about the ungodly. This is a person that uh, absolutely is against God and, is, uh, and, and hates him uh, and is rebellion and uh, suppressing the truth of unrighteous, uh, and unrighteousness, okay? So this is the person that Christ has come to die for, that ungodly person. Um, now, the verse I'm going to have us read here in just a second is going to follow verses 7 and 8 um, as we uh, put those two together. So in Matthew 5, someone grab Matthew chapter 5, all right, in verses 43 through 46, and this is an illustration that Jesus gives, but it lends to the same concept that Paul is going to be um, getting to uh, in verses 7 and 8, and here at the end of verse 6. So, uh, Matthew 5, Okay, so Jesus in that chapter is pointing out that it's really easy to love those that are lovable, right? Those that love you, uh, what big deal is it that you love them? Where the, where the rubber meets the road is when you show love uh, to those that hate you, okay? Those that despitefully use you. You should love them and pray for them, okay? So that goes uh, in here with what Paul is uh, saying about Christ, is that he died for the ungodly. He died for those that hate him. Now, something that's interesting, and again, something we can sometimes gloss over, is the word he died. Christ died. He shed the ultimate price of giving his life so that someone that hates him and does vileness in his name uh, could have the newness of life and could have uh, the could be justified. Okay, 
Christ didn't just give him the shirt off his back. He didn't just, um, you know, help him out uh, and, and was kind to him. He actually gave his life. He gave the ultimate price. And this is where Paul is going to get into here in verses 7 and 8. Right? So moving on to verse 7 and 8. A righteous and a good man is the illustration. For one will hardly die for a righteous man. Alright, so we'll stop there for a second. What do you think Paul's idea here is? We know that he just said that he died for the ungodly, and then he says, for one would hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man someone would dare even to die. What's, what's the thought process here? Don't be getting ahead of the lesson. I'm, I'm talking about this section, right? Here, verse 7. Don't be getting ahead now. Yes, I, I, the, the comparison is there, Joseph. But what, what is Paul getting at here? There is a progression that Paul is really trying to, to, to drive home about the character uh, and, the, and the nature of God. All right, and you, you were hitting it, but what's the idea behind uh, someone? You see, for one would hardly, the word hardly or rarely, die for a righteous man. The word righteous there is not the same idea as the way God makes us righteous. This is a good person uh, or an upstanding person in, in, in society. They, they abide by the laws of the land. Uh, they're righteous in the sight of people. They do right things. Uh, this, this type of person... Um, one would hardly die for. Okay, but the, the word is hardly. So this is the, 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 the concept here is um, because um, I like a person and they're, they're a nice person, uh, it's not commonplace that I'm just going to give my life for their life. That's not commonly done, especially for a stranger. There are cases, rare cases, that it does happen. You think back of like the Titanic, right? Some people gave up their life so that other people could go on the boat and, and save the, you know, the women and children. Their lives would save. So there are occasions, or uh, maybe two miners are trapped in a on uh, a mine. All right, one is a single man, and one is a man with a, a family. All right, and they're both good, upstanding men, but there's only one um, uh, air mask or whatever. So one's going to have to die, and one's going to be the man that is single without children would give up his life for this other man uh, and so that he could live. So that's the heart, you know, one would hardly, there's some rare examples, but it's not commonplace for someone just because a guy is nice and good and abides by the law that you're going to say, well, I'm going to give my life for him, right? Yes. Yeah, and and the idea here is hardly or rarely um, there are circumstances. Um, this is talking primarily about just humanity, um, although that uh, the military and police officers and so on. Um, and, and and again, I'm not making light at all. 
uh, or trying to downplay, um, but that is their job, right? When we understand the military and the police and so on, it is their job to, to go out and fight and sacrifice their life. That's what they signed up for. And so, although we greatly respect them because they didn't have to do that, and we love them for doing that, that is what their job is. Where Paul is getting at here is uh, a civilian and a civilian don't know each other. It's not a commonplace that you're just going to, you know. The idea is Dean and I are don't know each other, and we're in a grocery store, or we're in a gas station, a guy comes in with a gun, um, it's not, my, I'm not going to jump in front of Dean and take the bullet for him, if some guy was shooting at Dean, if I didn't know him, right? That's not, that's not commonplace. Now, I might pull my gun out and, and, and engage and, and maybe try to save him, but I am not going to take my own life in place of his. That's the idea. Although he's a good person, that's not commonplace. Okay, so that, that's all Paul's trying to get at here is people don't, it's not a common thing for you just to sacrifice your own life for someone. And then he says here, he just kind of gives the same compound thought, though perhaps for a good man, someone would dare even to die. And this is the thought of someone that maybe you might know a little more. <clears throat> and the word good there in, obviously, again, in human terms, we know that inside of God, no one is good. But in human terms, this person is good, um, upstanding, uh, and you might um, even be more apt to maybe give your life for this type person. Humanity, uh, a humanitarian type person that really goes out of his way to help people, uh, that one you might even, you might dare even to die for. But again, Paul's concept here is this, these aren't the norm. You're, this isn't something that happens on a regular basis with just common um, in society. So Paul talks about if it's rare for you to die for a righteous man or a good, righteous or a good man, how much more rare would it be for you to die for the wicked man? So the thought process here is that we want to look at, Dean and I again are in the gas station and the, uh, the, the robber comes in, and I don't know Dean, Dean doesn't know me, and both of us carry so Dean pulls his gun out and gets ready to shoot the armed robber, and I go over and I jump in front of Dean's bullet and save the armed robber's life. That's the idea given here with Paul, what Christ has done for us. Okay, This ungodly, wicked man coming in to uh, create havoc and murder, potentially, uh, and... I would jump in front, and not that I'm the picture of Christ. It's just that's the idea. But God demonstrated, verse number 8, but God demonstrates His own love towards us. Okay, The word demonstrate is their act out. Okay, He acts out. He, he um, to make evident or 
established by example or reasoning of prove or prove to de, uh, a desirable ex, uh, let me see here or illustrate by example so he demonstrated his love and how did Christ demonstrate his love for us he died for us okay but God demonstrated His own love, and that love is the same love that's talked about in verse 5. Okay? The word love is an agape love. Okay? The word agape love. We, we are familiar with that in Scripture. It's love that explains God and God alone. Okay? We cannot uh, have that type of love. Explains his good will, his loving kindness. It is an all-encompassing love that is fully focused on you and I. Okay, for God demonstrated, showed his own love towards us, and this is the important part. In that while we were yet sinners, yet sinners. So we went through this whole illustration. The word sinner there. Um, is willfully disobedient, lawbreakers, wicked, falling short of God's glory. Okay? Willfully disobedient. Not just ignorantly, but willfully disobedient. Lawbreakers. We break God's law. Wicked. The thought wicked is, you know, you, you, if you read through the, the early part of Romans 3 and, beyond, and, and, and previous, and really if you, if you focus there in Romans 3 and verses 10 through 18, it tells you how wicked and uh, apart from God. And this is how God sees us. This is the important to understand is verses 10 through 18 of verse of chapter 3 is how when God looks down upon us that is what he sees do we do we understand that let's refresh our mind there is none righteous no not one there is none who understand there is none who seek for God all have turned aside. Together they have become useless. There is none who do good. There is not even one. There is, it just continues to compound. And God, when He looks down on humanity, this is what He sees. But God. That, that is an amazing statement there by itself. Demonstrated His love for us and that while we were wicked, vile, useless, without any ability to do anything right or good, God sent His Son to die for you and I, for us. What an amazing statement. If that verse is an underline in your Bible and you underline your Bible, that would be a great verse. Most of these verses in chapter 5 are, are worthy of highlighting. Okay, Now, <clears throat> I have there, Christ died for us. Um, 
I just put, as I was sitting there, amazing, incredible, unbelievable. I, I, I didn't really have anything else I could think. And then I just put dot, 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 because we could probably sit here for quite a while and just keep throwing out words that, exp- that, um, that would get us how we feel about Christ died for us and while we were unlovable. Paul illustrates the idea that it's not a commonplace that we would die for good people, let alone that much more that we wouldn't die for the unloving, the wicked, somebody that hates you. How many of you would think of that person uh, in your life that you just don't get along with at all? All right? You, You would classify maybe that person as an enemy. And you know that that person is dying and needs a liver transplant or needs some kind of a transplant that would take your life to make sure that they live. How many of you would sign up for that? We're not going to do that. But Christ did that for people. That absolutely, and if you want to take it even to a step further, I really want us to understand the concept here. Let's, let's, let's do the scenario. My wife and I are walking through the store. A guy comes in, pulls out a gun, and uh, takes my wife's wife right in front of me and then spits on her uh, and steps on her and walks out of the, of the store. That's, that's the scenario that just happened. They catch him, okay? And it comes to find out that he had an illness that I could, if I gave my life, uh, save his. Whatever it would be. But I would, it would take giving my life to save his. And I met this man after seeing him shoot my wife, take her life, spit on her, walk on her, and then walk away. And I would go up to this man and say, I will donate my life so that you can live. He needs a new heart, let's say. Obviously, I can't live without mine, and he's going to die because his heart's giving out. And I would give my heart so that he could live. That is probably not even touching how it looks when we understand Christ died for you and I. We hated him. We despised him. We were at odds and at enmity with God as way Scripture describes humanity and the understanding of the word sin there is, is what that gives. Someone that absolutely is in utter defiance of God and he gave his life for them. This is the God that you and I serve. This is the God that we should be uberly excited about. Any thoughts or comments there? And that's given to us by God. I mean, we, we cherish our lives. I mean, and especially as believers, that's why we're um, so against abortion and so against uh, any kind of wrongful type death uh, is because we understand the value of life, right? 
And there's a difference here that I'm trying to explain as far as giving your life for someone. Uh, there's been ex- great examples in the United States of forgiveness from believers, right? You'll see a man that comes into a church and, and shoots up a church, and then the, the, the people in the, the congregation uh, go to testify against him and forgive him, openly forgive him. And, and, that, and that's a wonderful testimony of what God can do in the life of a believer. But it's different for you to give your own life for that person that just came in and took your family's life. And so, and that's what Christ, the idea here. Um, those people, understanding the, 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 even the people that crucified him. The one that nailed his hands to the cross, the one that, uh, the the ones that spit upon him, and and the, he died for those people as well. Joe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we still, yeah, we're still in a fallen world. And God gave His life so richly for us. And that's, and that, that's a great point that you make there, Joe. And that's something that Paul drives home in other uh, places here in Romans and in other passages. The idea there uh, in James where it talks about we work to show our salvation. The understanding of our gratefulness to God. Someone that gets saved... Uh, and then lives a wicked, sinful life, uh, the, the best thing for us to do is to continue to share the gospel with that person because there's a good possibility they're truly not saved. Because we can't just, and this is what Jeremy just preached last week, we can't just continue in sin. Paul says that. No, continue in sin so that grace may abound? No, may it never be. Alright, so... We should love Him all the more and desire to serve Him all the more because we understand He gave His life for us. Um, When we absolutely did not deserve it. Alright, any any other insights or thoughts there in verses 6, 7, and 8? Okay, verses, man, we are flying. We're doing good. Okay, verses 9 through 11 are kind of one section, all right? Um, and it, you, as you can see here, I just kind of summarized what was being said in those, and so we're going to just talk about them. Verses 9 through 11, um, much more than having been justified, By his blood, we should be saved from the wrath of God. So we're justified. Haven't been justified. This is something that has taken place in our life. We are saved from the wrath that is talked about in verse uh, 18 of chapter 1. God's wrath is what we deserve. Because of his loving kindness, because of justification... We are saved from the wrath of God through Him. Paul is constantly reminding us that God has wrath upon the wicked and through Christ, 
we are saved from that. He constantly reminds us of that. Look back in verse number 1 of chapter 5. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God, what? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, He reminds us constantly where our, our salvation comes from. And that is through Christ. Verse 6, okay, at the right time, Christ died for us. God demonstrated His own love to us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Okay? And then in verse 9, He says, we're saved from God's wrath through Him, through Christ. What an amazing thought. Okay? We have peace, so He talks about that in verse 5. And again, He reminds us that we are saved from the wrath of God. The almighty wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through His death. Okay, This is the fourth um, accusation against humanity in these verses. So the first one is what? What's the first accusation against humanity? We are what? Ungodly. Okay, We find that in verse 6. So the first accusation Paul brings against humanity and says that Christ died for is the ungodly. And then the second one is what? Christ died for sinners. Okay? And then this, and then he says here in verse number 10 that we were enemies okay this is another accusation and this isn't separated into different people groups okay we were all ungodly we're all sinners and we were all enemies of god for while we were yet enemies we were reconciled to him through the death there again he brings it up through the death of his son much more having been reconciled we shall be saved by his life. What is that referring to? Why are we saved by his life? What does that what's that mean? His blood sacrifice. There we go. Okay, what do I always say on resurrection day? We serve a dead savior who's not in the world. It doesn't the song doesn't really work, right? We could not be saved and kept saved if Christ died, was buried, and that was the end of it. We are saved because of His life. He lives. We serve a risen, living Savior. Okay? We serve a living Savior. We are saved by His life. Okay? His death, His burial, and His resurrection. You have to have all three. There's actually five points. And I've went over this a few times. But there's five points that are, uh, if you're missing any one of them, they do not, you, that you cannot be saved. And we, we uh, are just wasting our breath uh, even being in a, as a Christian. Okay, The five are, Jesus is God. That is a non-negotiable. You have to understand Jesus is God. 
Jesus came and lived a perfect, sinless life. That is non-negotiable and has to be there. You have to believe both of those. That Jesus died. Okay, He had to die. He had to be buried for three days. Why? Because that is the way God set it up. That is what... Uh, that constitutes that it shows that he was dead. He was buried for those three days. Those are non-negotiables. Those are all equally important. And just as important as that he rose again from the dead. All five of those have to be, you have to believe all five. You can't take one from one out of there and it, uh, it'd be okay. Okay? So, we, uh, we are saved because of His life. And not only this, but we also, that word exalt, it's the same one as it talks about as we exalt in our trials and our tribulations and so on. We exalt in God through, and again, Paul is really driving it home, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Everything goes through Him, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Okay? We are now received the reconciliation. What does the word, Bible students, reconciliation mean? This is is an important word. What does the word reconciliation mean? part of it use it in a, use it in a use it in a sentence describe what you mean how would you use reconciliation if you were to describe that to someone in a sentence stacy should have a great example of this give us a good example stacy of reconciliation No, I'm, 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 I'm guessing I'm meaning in human. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Stacy and her husband were split apart. They were actually went through divorce, right? And brought back together. They were separate. They were completely separated and were reconciled back. Okay. We were reconciled to God by Jesus Christ. What an amazing set of verses. And you can see how we could read it and be like, yeah, that's encouraging, and then move on. But there's so much in here that Paul keeps pointing us back. He mentions Christ between verses 5 through 11 several times to draw us to the understanding it's all about Him. We sing the song, all I have is Christ. Okay, Christ is all I need. Where do we get that concept from? Passages in Scripture like this, where it talks about Christ, 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 Christ. Christ is all I need. And Christ has done everything for me. He's died for me when I didn't deserve it. He's through Christ. We have peace. We have hope. We have access. We have love. We have the Holy Spirit. We are saved from our ungodly, wicked selves. 
because of Christ. Christ, Christ, Christ. Any thoughts, comments, questions on this section? Such an encouraging section. Great section to where we could show the gospel to someone of what Christ has done. You go to Romans 5, 1 through 11 and beyond. But the right, that section right there, you could easily share what the gospel is and what Christ has done for humanity. Any other thoughts or comments? Yeah, that means it should be made public, right? shouldn't be kept to ourselves. You should be openly excited about what Christ has done for you. It's a, it's a high form of praise. It's a, it's a very high, it's, the idea is a very high form of praise, gratitude, love. Is, is the idea given there. Okay, very good class. This is, again, some just uh, unbelievable sections within uh, Christianity. Key cornerstones of, of, um, of our life. Um, if you know this section of Scripture... Uh, it will definitely help strengthen and uh, your ability to share the gospel. It will help strengthen your understanding of uh, who we are uh, as, as believers, as people that are justified. Um, it's not and should never be just skimmed over. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you can give the whole gospel right here in these verses. And while we were yet helpless, well, you can explain what helpless means, right? So if you want to be able to share the Word of God, I would start, this is how I would start if I were to use Romans 5 in a witnessing uh, deal. I would start with verse 6, and then I would go back to verse 1, okay? So Paul is continuing a thought in verse 1 of chapter 5, and then he you know, he follows that up. But in witnessing, you wouldn't want to start with verse 1. You start with verse 6. And that while we were helpless, you would explain helpless at the right time, explain that God had a time and plan for salvation. Christ died for the ungodly. And you can explain helpless and ungodly and how all that works together. And then I would skip down. I mean, you can read verses 7 and explain that. And then, but God demonstrated His own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ has died for us. And you can explain that. Much more having been justified by His blood, we should be, we, uh, should be saved from the wrath of God. And at that point, I would jump back up to verse number 1 and say, because of believing in Christ, we are justified. Let me explain to you the benefits of being justified. And then we can talk about we have peace with this God that talks about having wrath in verse 9. We have peace with Him. See how all this ties together? This wasn't a mistake from Paul. Paul purposely wrote these things so that we would have a complete, full understanding and be able to reason with the Scriptures to the unsaved. 
As Paul would say, or as Luke would say in the book of Acts, Paul reasoned with him in the temple for three months. Reasoned, argued, gave the scriptures, gave an account of what's going on, is what Paul um, enables us to do here with this passage. So, great, great set of verses for us to be able to share, uh, share the gospel. Okay, well, we'll continue again in chapter 5. Okay, I think we have two more lessons in 5. Okay, right? I believe so. 12, I think we're going 12 through 15 and then 16 through 21, I believe is. What, you're doing 16 through 21, is that right? 18, is that where we're going? Oh, okay. That's right. So 12 through 17 will be next week. And 18 through 21. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see how far I can get. <laughs> we were supposed to be farther along, and I took a lot longer than I was supposed to. That's okay. Because we are much farther ahead of the class that's over there. So, you gonna say something, Joe? No, Dean just has to keep waiting. He's, he's gonna sit back there itching. <laughs> Hurry up, Mark! I need to teach. <laughs> no, we want to make sure that we go through. Um, not too slow, but not too fast. One of the guys that Dean, Dean and I follow and in, in, in learning from in this class uh, is in chapter 14, and he started three and a half years ago. So <laughs> I don't think he teaches every week, but it's pretty close. But yeah, it's taken him three and a half years just to get to chapter 14. So I don't think we're going to go that long. <laughs> What's that supposed to mean? All right, <laughs> let's pray and then we will uh, fellowship for a minute. Lord, we thank you again for your word. We thank you for the truth we see in it. And Lord, we thank you for your amazing gift uh, uh, to people that absolutely did not deserve it. And Lord, we are so grateful for you in your name. Amen.